0: O ma gyana timidandasya gyanan jana yena tasmai shigurave nama shichetanyamano bhishtam stapitam yena bhuta svayam rupakarāmāhyam dadati svapadantikam Vande hum, Sri Guru, Sri Yutta Parakamalam, Sri Guru and Sri Rupam Sagrajatam, Sahagana Raguna Tangvitam, Tam Sajivam, Sadvaitam, Savadutam, Parijana Sahitam, Krishna Chaitanyadevam, Sri Radha, Krishna Padan, Sahagana Lalita Sri Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shimate vedanta Swamin Itināmine Namaste ve go Gauravani Pracarine Nivhase shunyavadi Paschatya dishatarini VANCHAKHA PATARUBYASCHA kripa SINDUVYA EVACHA PATITANAM PAVANEBYO VAISHNAVEBYO NAMO NAMAH HE KISHNA KARUNA SINDHU DINABANDHO JAGATPATE GOPESHA GOPIKA KANTA Radha te Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhevi Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priyate Jaisikrishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shi Advaita Gadhar Shiva Sadi Gora Bhakta Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama, Rama. Hare Hare Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevāya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevāya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevāya Va sude vaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chivanarotamam Daving Sarasuttingya Sam Tato Jayamudir. I hate Nashta prayesh Fabadresu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Utamasloke Bakti Nashtiki. So here we are. Back in Africa, uh, West Africa, speaking from Northeastern Europe, uh, where everything is white outside, covered with snow. Um, and today we are continuing uh, with Bhagavatam, first canto, chapter. Uh, 7, verse 27, and today is also special day, the appearance day of Sri Advaita Acharya. So we should uh, certainly say something in glorification of our very uh, prominent yeah, Acharya and also Supreme Lord and associate of, direct associate of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We can begin with the Bhagavatam. Uh, this is uh, the chapter called The Son of Drona Punished. Uh, this is dealing with Ashvatama and it's a quite dramatic moment in this account, uh, which is um, a summary of what is described in more detail in the Mahabharata, and I do want to read some from a translation of Mahabharata uh, to, to give us more of the picture of what is going on. So we'll begin with our verse. This is verse number 27, chapter 7, canto 1. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha Vete Dham Dronaputrasya Brahman Astram Pradarshitam Naibasau Vedasangharam Pranabhadha Upastite. Vetedam dronaputrasya brahmam astram pradarshitam nivaso vedasanghadam prana badha upastite vetedam dronaputrasya brahmam astram pradarshitam nivas Veda Sangharam Pranabadha Upastite. So Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, said, Veta, just know from me, Edam, this, Drona-putrasya of the son of Drona, Brahmam Astram, hymns of, of the Brahma nuclear weapon. Pradarshitam, exhibited, na, not, eva, even, asau, he, veda, know it, saṅhāram, retraction, Pranabadhe extinction of life, upastite, being imminent. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Śrīla Prabhupāda ki jai. Translation, the, personal, uh, the Supreme Personality of God had said, Know from me that this is the act of the son of Drona. He has thrown the hymns of nuclear energy, Brahmāstra. And he does not know how to retract the glare. He has helplessly done this, being afraid of imminent death. This is Lord Krishna speaking to Arjuna, who has uh, just addressed the Lord uh, because he is uh, confronted now with this terrible weapon that has been launched by ashvatama let's read the purport the brahmastra <clears throat> is similar to the modern nuclear weapon manipulated by atomic energy the atomic energy works wholly on total combustibility <laughs> and so the brahmastra also acts It creates an intolerable heat similar to atomic radiation. But the difference is that the atomic bomb is a gross type of nuclear weapon, whereas the brahmastra is a subtle type of weapon produced by chanting hymns. It is a different science. And in the days gone by, such science was cultivated in the land of Bharatavarsha. The subtle science of chanting hymns is also material, and that phrase is in italics. But it has yet to be known by the modern material scientists. Subtle material science is not spiritual, but it has a direct relationship with the spiritual method, which is still subtler. A chanter of hymns knew how to apply the weapon as well as how to retract it. That was perfect knowledge. But the son of Drona Acharya, who made use of this subtle science, did not know how to retract. He applied it, being afraid of his imminent death, and thus the practice was not only improper, but also irreligious. As the son of a brahmana, he should not have made so many mistakes and for such gross neg- negligence of duty, he was to be punished by the Lord himself. Mukam vachalam pangum langayategirim yat kripa tamaham vande sri dinataranam The son of Drona, Drona, of course, is uh, the great and very powerful Brahmana teacher of the use of weapons. He was teaching the Pandavas and he was also teaching the Kauravas. They were all together as teenagers, no doubt, Uh, already as young teenagers beginning their training. And Ashvatthaman, uh, being one of, or being the son of Drona, would have also been present. Uh, He would have known, um, he would have um, been associating with uh, the Kauravas and the Pandavas, yes, since childhood. So he would have known them all. At one point, it's mentioned that Drona, being very pleased with Arjuna, this is mentioned in the Mahabharata, being very pleased with Arjuna, bestowed upon him a special weapon called the Brahma-shiras. Now, this Brahma-shira or shiras, uh, is it the same as the Brahma-astra? This is not entirely clear. There seems to be some overlap of reference, but um, it's possible that there are two different weapons. Presumably, both were very powerful. In any case, when Ashwatthaman saw his father giving this weapon to Arjuna, he became very upset. And he was not hiding his disturbance. He expressed his unhappiness to his father, Drona, in such a way that Drona felt impelled, he felt somehow um, forced perhaps to also give the weapon to his son. It seems that in giving the weapon to his son, he did not give him the full instruction about use of the weapon. Um, that's not explained Uh, so clearly but from what is mentioned here it seems that he he was ignorant Uh, in a sense he knew only half the use of the weapon because proper use would be to know how not only to launch the weapon but how to retract the weapon Uh, this would have been part of a kshatriya's duty presumably uh because the weapon needed to be controlled uh, in all respects, especially such a weapon. In any case, he has launched the weapon, and now the trouble begins. The trouble continues, actually, because... Uh, we know there has been big trouble just before this, and that is why Arjuna has come after Ashvataman. According to uh, the Mahabharata, initially Bhima goes after Ashvataman, and then uh, Krishna and Arjuna together uh, go after Bhima. Uh, And why are they going after him? Because what has Ashvataman just done? The night before, he has gone on a total rampage. Uh, The rampage of Ashwatthaman has to do with... It has to do with Ashwatthaman's anger... Of course, uh, he was enraged by the fact that, Drona, uh, sorry, that Duryodhana uh, was lying, about to die, and that he had been mortally wounded uh, by Bhima in such a way that was not according to Kshatriya regulations. He had... Uh, pummeled him, he had pounded on his, uh, on his thigh, in other words, below the waist, and this was uh strictly forbidden. He was enraged by this, and combined with that, uh, Ashvatthama was enraged at how his own father had been killed. And it was um, a kind of one. One may say a kind of righteous anger. And so uh, he is. He he meets Duryodhana, and at seeing him in his um, mortally wounded condition, his his rage boils. And he speaks with Duryodhana and he begs Duryodhana to grant him, Ashwatthaman, to become the general. Now, the war was obviously over. Everybody understood the war is over, but not for Ashwatthaman. Ashvatama felt that the war is not over, that now he is going to wreak revenge And in this way, he's going to um, justify or he's going to essentially bring Duryodhana's triumph even in his death. And uh, Duryodhana, again, feeling pressured like Drona before him, feeling pressured, Duryodhana says, all right, all right, you become... Uh, the general, and he gave him at this time, if I remember how it was described, he gave him at this time this crown jewel, which uh, was his kind of insignia for uh, being now the general. And then uh, Ashvataman rushes off um, and it's night time so it's not a time for battle, but he is in such, a, such an in, intensity of rage. Uh, he meets his friends, um, Kritavarman and Kripa, and he tells them, you know, now we have to do something. We have to destroy the army of the Pandavas and destroy the Pandavas. And uh, they reach uh, to the camp where the, uh, the, the army of the Pandavas have, are staying, but the Pandavas are not staying there. And the reason they're not staying is because Krishna has arranged for them not to stay there because he knows there's going to be trouble uh, And at this point, Ashvataman doesn't yet know what to do. But then he sees a sign from nature which tells him what to do. Uh, In the night, he sees an owl uh, swoop down into a tree and kill several crows that were sleeping in the tree. And ashutaman sees this as a sign. And so now he knows what he's going to do. But uh, before he does this, he needs to, well, to do this, he needs to enter into the camp. But there is a guard. At the gate of the camp, and the guard is none other than Lord Shiva. And uh, Ashvataman worships Lord Shiva in such a way as to please him and infuse him, Ashvataman, with the power of Lord Shiva. In effect, um, we can say Ashvataman becomes a kind of Shakti Avesha, avatar of Shiva. But it's explained earlier in the Mahabharata, in the Adi Parvan. We're speaking now from Soptika Parvan, which is uh, the tenth of the Parvans. In the first, the Adi Parvan, it's mentioned that Ashvataman. Is uh, constituted of three parts of Shiva. Uh, these three parts are Yama, Kama, and Krodha. Uh, these three aspects of Shiva combine into Ashvatamana In this, uh, in this state he enters into the camp and there he does his dastardly deed of murdering one after another beginning with trishtadyumna who had killed his father and then the pandavas uh the the sons of the pandavas i i don't believe they are named uh Chopping off their heads in their sleep, so it is a very horrible scene. And after this, uh, the next morning, of course, uh, they the the truth comes out, and the the news is sent uh, to uh, Dropadi uh, and Bima finds out. So I want to read now a passage from uh, the Mahabharata. This is again from, uh, sorry, this is, uh, yeah, Mahabharata. It's in a portion of the, is it part of the, I think it's after the Soptika Parvan. Yeah, the Soptika Parvan, and then comes the Aishika Parvan. <clears throat> okay, so if you'll allow me to read, this is a, a translation. It's a quite recent translation from uh, Bibek Debroy, who has translated the uh, unabridged, um, what's called critical edition of the Mahabharata, which was prepared early part of the 20th century by a team of scholars. I met Vivek uh, De this last year in Delhi, um, and uh, he took a copy of my book on cows and Gave a very nice um, endorsement of it. Okay, he says, Bhima Sain, the great archer, was traveling fast. So now Bhima is going after Ashwatthaman. O oh, bull among the Bharata lineage, however, in a short while, those tigers among men caught up with him. Konteya, and here this refers to Bhima, blazed in anger and he rushed toward the enemy. Though those maharatas caught up with him, they could not restrain him. While those handsome and firm archers looked on, using his extremely fast and tawny uh, steeds or horses, he headed toward the banks of the Bhagirati, the Ganga. He had heard that Drona's great-souled son, the slayer of his sons, would be there. <laughs> so, Ashwatthama is referred to as great-souled here. Mahatman, uh, presumably. He saw the cheerful illustrious and great-souled Krishna Dvaipayana Vyasa there, seated with rishis. He also saw Drona's son seated near them with dust covering the tips of his hair. So in other words, Drona is trying to sort of hide amongst uh, some sadhus who are listening to Vyasadeva. Uh, as he's presumably reciting some shastra. The perpetrator of evil deeds was covered in clarified butter and was dressed in a garment made of kusha grass. Conte grasped his bow and an arrow and rushed toward him. The mighty arm Sain exclaimed, "Wait, wait!" Drona's son saw the one with the terrible bow dashing toward him with a bow and an arrow. He saw his two brothers and Janardana, Krishna, stationed behind him He that is Ashutaama was distressed and thought that he had met his end. However, since his soul was never distressed, he thought of the divine and supreme weapon. Drona's son grasped a reed that is like a straw, a piece of maybe kusha grass, in his left hand and invoked that celestial weapon on it. In the presence of those brave ones who also possessed divine weapons, the intolerant one released it, uttering the terrible words, quote, To bring an end to the Pandavas. Unquote. O tiger among kings, for the sake of confounding all the worlds, Dronas powerful son spoke these words and released that weapon. A fire was generated in that reed and it seemed to consume the three worlds like Yama at the time at the end of time. So it goes on. Uh, At this point, um, Krishna understands what's happening. Mm, And uh, he, Krishna, addresses Arjuna. He says, O Arjuna, O Pandava, O Arjuna, in your mind, you have the knowledge of the divine weapon that was instructed to you by Drona. So he's reminding Arjuna, you also have a weapon. Uh, You've received it from Drona, so um, now is the time to use it. He says, save yourself and save your brothers, because the weapon has been released by Ashvataman to kill the five Pandavas. Uh, He says, you should release it since it is capable of countering all weapons. Um, uh, And then it describes how Arjuna prepared himself for this. He bowed to the gods and all his preceptors, meditating and pronouncing auspicious words he released that weapon so as to pacify the other weapon. Uh, the Bhagavatam version I just read is that Arjuna circumambulates Krishna. Here it says uh, he bowed to all the gods. That weapon, uh, that weapon, was violently released by the wielder of Gandiva. Uh, And then it describes how this release of the weapon is similar to that of uh, the the weapon of Drona's son. It It blazed in great flames surrounded by a disk of energy. There were many peals of thunder and thousands of meteors fell down. A great fear was generated in all beings. Uh, And it goes on like this. Uh, The mountains, the forests, the trees trembled. And then the two Maharshis, Narada with Dharma in his soul and the grandfather of the Bharatas, that is Vedavyasa, showed themselves then. They sought to pacify the two brave ones, Bharadvaja's descendant and Dhananjaya. Uh, in other words, Ashvataman and Dananjaya, or Arjuna. Uh, those two sages were learned in all forms of dharma and had the welfare of all beings in mind those two supremely energetic ones stationed themselves between those two flaming weapons. Those two illustrious and supreme rishis were incapable of being assailed by anything and were like two blazing fires themselves. In other words, Narada and Vyasa being who they are, uh, could not be harmed by these two weapons. So they put themselves in between the two weapons to block them, because they understood this is going to be a mess <laughs> if we don't do something. Uh, this is going to uh, this is going to have terrible consequences. They could not be touched by any living being and they were revered by the gods and the dhanavas for the sake of the welfare of the worlds. They pacified the energies of the weapons. And then they say, these weapons should not be used against humans. Uh, Why? Why have they invoked them? then it says uh, Dhananjaya, that is Arjuna quickly withdrew his divine weapon as we know Arjuna knows how to do this he knows how to withdraw his weapon and when he sees Narada and Vyasa he, he feels perhaps a kind of embarrassment that, whoa, I've I've gone overboard uh, sending out this weapon, although Krishna had ordered him to send it. He withdraws it at this point. And he's, he explains, though, this weapon was used by me to pacify the other weapon. Once I withdrew this supreme weapon, all of us once I withdraw this weapon, all of us will be destroyed. It is certain that Drona's son, the perpetrator of wicked deeds, will consume us with the energy of his weapon. And then Arjuna requests Narada and Vyasa to do something uh, so that the weapon will not destroy uh, them, the Pandavas. Please think of some means So that we and all the worlds are saved, he says. Uh, Then it goes on about how difficult it is to withdraw such a weapon. Uh, Arjuna was able to do so because of his high spiritual qualification. Uh, It says, with the exception of someone with a cleansed soul, and someone who was a brahmachari, no one else was capable of withdrawing it. Now you may say, wait, Arjuna was not a brahmachari. But then here it says, "Mm. Arjuna had followed the vows of a brahmachari. He had obtained a weapon that was difficult to get, however, He had never invoked it, not even in a time of great calamity. Pandava followed the vows of truth. He was brave and a brahmachari. He was obedient to his superiors. It was because of this that Arjuna was capable of withdrawing that weapon again. Well, um, Ashwatthama is not capable of withdrawing his weapon, nor, it seems, does he want to withdraw it. However, and here's where there's uh, what seems to be a bit of departure between uh, the version of Mahabharata and the Bhagavata version. Uh, in the Mahabharata, it's uh, said that because Arjuna had requested Narada and Vyasa to do something so that uh, he would, he and the Pandavas and the rest of the world would not be destroyed, so they requested Ashvataman to divert his weapon. The weapon couldn't be withdrawn, but it could be diverted. But it would need to meet some mark because he had um, infused the weapon with his mantra, which said, let the Pandavas be destroyed. And so, uh, instead of destroying the five, the five uh, Pandava brothers, uh, it should instead go to uh, the wombs of... Uh, the descendants of the Pandavas, in this case Uttara, and it's not mentioning who are the others, uh, but apparently more than one, and it goes to meet uh, the womb of Uttara. So the uh, to destroy the uh, the the garba the pan, the the grandson uh, of of Arjuna, who is of course. Uh, Parikshit. Again, here is um, a difference. Uh, in the Bhagavatam, we understand Krishna enters into the womb to protect uh, Parikshit, and at this time Parikshit sees Krishna, and so he is saved. The Mahabharata version, as we have it, uh, says that. In the womb, Pariksit was killed, and he was stillborn, and then he was brought to life by Lord Krishna. In any case, we may say the end result is the same. Uh, Krishna saves Maharaj Parikshit, and of course this is all part of the grand introduction, which is this first canto uh, to the rest of the Bhagavatam, preparing us to appreciate who is Maharaj Pariksit and why it's so significant uh, that Maharaj Pariksit uh, will meet with Shukadev Goswami uh, and we'll hear from him, the Bhagavatam. Uh, so that's taking, if you like, uh, the two perspectives on this account uh, of what Ashvatamana is doing and his acts of destruction and what will come uh, following this. Also, there are different, a difference between the Bhagavatam and the Mahabharata about the punishment Uh the punishment of Um So this is something about about this moment in this very dramatic episode, again, which is described in the Bhagavatam because it is a critical moment in what will be the life of Maharaj Parikshit. So it's a it's a crucial moment, and we can say that also uh, the portrayal of Ashvatthaman as one who is simultaneously powerful and not able to control his power may be contrasted with Maharaj Parikshit, who is um, very powerful and perfectly able to control his power. Or we can make a contrast with Arjuna, more immediately but we may say more broadly in the context of first canto Um, because the Pandavas were all implicated one way or another in the battle of Kurukshetra their uh, ways of um, of fighting were not all strictly according to the rules of battle of the Kshatriya Uh, and so um, and and Mara's at the end of the battle, feels himself uh, deeply guilty for the death of so many. And so all of this um, we can say tarnishing, uh, perhaps. One might view um, one might view the identity, the the, the position, uh, of the five Pandavas as in some sense tarnished. But in contrast, we have Maharaj Pariksit, who is free from all of these, uh, any of this history. He is coming into the world. Uh, who is he seeing at the very beginning of his life? He sees Krishna. And this is uh, the beginning also of We can say the life of the Bhagavatam because his life then will lead up to uh, and be culminated in the hearing of the Bhagavatam. Mm. In contrast to uh, Ashvataman and his uh, his very dark character. Well, uh, speaking of his dark character and remembering that it has some identification uh, with Lord Shiva may be one way of trance of uh, segging into discussion of Advaita she Advaitacharya, since today is Advaitacharya's uh Avir Bhav Titi. Uh, we are certainly celebrating uh Advaitacharyas uh, life And my reflection on Advaita Acharya, Advaitam Harinadvaita Acharyam Bhakti Shanksanat Bhaktavataram Ishamtam Advaita Acharyam Achraye, uh, offering a prayer to Advaita Acharya, is is uh, to remember how Advaita Acharya meets Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just after Mahaprabhu has taken sannyas. And I am reminded that it is Advaita Charya who invites Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to appear. That is described in Adi Lila. Uh, now we are looking at uh, the beginning of Madhya Lila. This is chapter three of Madhya Lila. And Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes, picture of Advaita Charya in the morning offering worship to the Lord in the form of Shalagram Shila, calling out loudly, humkar, uh, it said, with a loud voice calling for uh, Lord uh, Mahaprabhu to appear. Mm. And his call is successful, uh, and he is inviting the Lord to appear, and then uh, again he invites the Lord to um, be received by him at his home in Shantipur. As we all know, as soon as Mahaprabhu took sannyas, he departed uh, from Katwa uh, to to go, he wanted to go to Vrindavan. His purpose in taking sannyas, uh, he saw himself as uh, initially taking shelter of Lord Krishna in Vrindavan. And so, with Nityananda Prabhu and others, he heads for Vrindavan. But uh, alas, after three days, of uh, traveling in Rārādesh, in that area of uh, Bengal where the the Ganga does not flow, as it is called. He finds himself, they find themselves on the bank of the Ganga, not so far from Navadip, uh, toward the south, but on the western bank, because here the the Ganga runs north and south on the western bank. And who do they, f- uh, who do they see coming toward them in a boat? Uh, advaita And initially, Mahaprabhu is thinking, Oh, advaita you have come all this way uh, to the Yamuna, to, near to Vrindavan. This is wonderful. But after some time, uh, it becomes uh, clear what has happened is that Mahaprabhu has been tricked by Nityananda Prabhu. This is a, a transcendental trickery, which has enabled uh, all of the devotees to see Mahaprabhu again to um, to see them what. They are concerned, maybe, excuse me the very last time that they see him, and in particular for his mother, for Shachi Mata to see him for what may very well be the last time, because when the uh, when one takes sannyas that means uh, permanent departure from the family. So now what is happening is that Advaitacharya is hosting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at his home. And what a wonderful host he is. Uh, we may recall that Advaita Charya is among the, uh, among the Vaishnavas of Bengal. He is... Uh, possibly most senior in age. It's uh, thought that he m- must have been more than 50 years older than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was very senior, he was very respected by all of the Vaishnavas. And he was known as an Acharya. He was the teacher uh, of the Vaishnava community. And now he is welcoming Mahaprabhu as well as Nityananda Prabhu in his home. And he is welcoming him with a meal, with a grand meal. And so this occasion of hosting of hosting Lord Chaitanya with his devotee with a wonderful feast is described in quite some detail by Krishnadas Kaviraj, who was not personally present at this occasion and yet is eager to tell us in such detail as if he was personally present, uh, I like to think that as Krishnadas Kaviraj wrote the details about what particular food preparations were offered, that Advaita Charya, sorry, that Krishnadas, was happily remembering his youth in Bengal, uh, perhaps longingly remembering because now since so many years, decades, he has been living in Vrindavan, which of course is very wonderful, but some of the preparations, perhaps many of the preparations, the foods would not have been available for uh, residents of rindavan those that would have been available in uh, in bengal because such vegetables would not be available so he says for example Sardrak vastuka shak Vibhidha prakar patola Kushmandabadi manakachu ar among the cooked vegetables were pārtolas, squash, manakachu, and a salad made with pieces of ginger and various types of spinach. i maricha sukta dhyasabha pala mule amrita nindaka panca vidhatak jale There was sukta, bitter melon, mixed with all kinds of vegetables, defying the taste of nectar. There were five types of bitter and pungent suktas. The next verse gives more detail. Among the various vegetables were newly grown leaves of nim trees fried with eggplant. The fruit known as patola was fried with pulabari, a kind of dal preparation, first mashed and then dried in the sun. There was also a preparation known as kushmanda manachaki. And there's a short purport. In the purport, Srila Prabhupada writes, we request our editors of cookbooks to add all these nice preparations described by the experienced author Srila Kaviraj Goswami. So Prabhupada made a specific request which, um, well, the only uh, cookbook I know of that may be a direct response to this was done um, by uh, now Maharaj, Pritivardhan Maharaj, uh, the principal of the Mayapur Gurukul, um, he did a lot of research and they put together a cookbook, which I don't think is very much known uh, around ISKCON, but I believe is available from the Mayapur Gurukul, in which they they give recipes for many Bengali Preparations. the only difficulty being if you're not in Bengal, you may find it a problem to get all of these, uh, all these vegetables to cook these preparations. Well, uh, it goes on with this description, and then we have uh, how Advaita Charya has uh, Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu sit down to eat. Mahaprabhu says, I'm a sannyasi, you can't expect me to eat all of this. Nityananda Prabhu on the other side says, when are you going to give me something to eat? I've been starving for the last three days and now you're just giving me this little bit of rice. Um, and then starts this transcendental uh, fight between Advaita and Nityananda. Um in, in general, though, the point I want to make uh, for a short reflection on Advaita Charya is, and I think it's mentioned here, he is the perfect Grihastha host. He is uh, acting as, as a perfect Grihastha, uh, welcoming the Lord and his associates. And of course, he has welcomed the Lord by first calling the Lord to take birth. And now is finally coming the time when he can sort of fully welcome him as a grihasta in his home um, by, uh, by feasting him in this way. And of course, he's going to also welcome the mother of Mahaprabhu, allowing her to uh, meet her, her son this possibly last time So it's a very bittersweet uh, meeting and it's a bittersweet meeting for all the devotees knowing that Mahaprabhu is now going to depart. Uh, The agreement is made, however, that he will not go to Vrindavan because that very well could have meant they would never see him again. Instead, he will go to Puri agreeing uh, to the request of his mother. In Puri, if we pass forward uh, to the end of Chaitanya Charitamrita, and in the end of near nearing the end of Mahaprabhu's life, Mahaprabhu receives a message from Advaitacharya, and the message is that uh, there's no more uh, m- need for you to stay. He gives this uh, interesting um, in a in an indirect way, message that uh, there is no more demand for rice in the marketplace. In effect, Advaitacharya is saying, "You have fulfilled your mission now, for which I called you. You, I called you to do what you have done, uh, which is to bless the world uh, by your presence." By uh, the process you have given of chanting the Holy Name, and uh, by your teaching uh, to chant the Holy Name, and by your by your demonstration of what is the highest uh, the highest mood of devotion in the person of yourself, you have fulfilled all of this, and now, Uh, now you can depart. So generally generally we don't hear of a grihasta, a host welcoming a person and then indicating, okay, now you can leave. Uh, But we may still say that it's not inappropriate for a host uh, if one is being hosted uh, to receive... Welcome and a nice meal and and uh, and association at one's house then um, there may be some way that the host indicates that it will not be taken as an offense if uh, from now you mm, you wish to leave in other words he the host will always be concerned for the uh, for the comfort of uh, the guest, um, physical comfort and also um, mental emotional comfort. So Advaitacharya, as Mahaprabhu was with him in Shantipur, he did insist on him to stay longer. He wanted to leave, but he said, "No, you you must you must stay at least two or three more days." And so, in this way, the kirtan. Continued, uh, and of course, it gave opportunity for Mother Sachi uh, to cook for uh, for her son, for uh, for Nimai. Uh, Advaita Charya is, of course, uh, an eternal associate of the Lord. He's identified, at least in some mysterious sense, with. Uh, with Lord Shiva as well as with uh, Lord Vishnu. Uh, but we especially like to remember him in his very sweet exchanges with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as described in uh, the biographies of Mahaprabhu. Sri Advaita Charya Ki Jai Krantaraja Shimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai So, let us, let me stop at this point. Um, If there's some comment or question, perhaps we can continue for a bit.
1: Thank you, Maharaj, for your wonderful class. It was so nice to have the holiness. My question is on the Brahmastra, number one, of Mm Aswatthama. When he lost the Brahmastra, he wants to destroy. So my question is, as a movement, is come. we know that there are so many people who are disturbing Prabhupada mission. Is there any particular brahmastra to deal with such people? To have peace? <laughs> 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 right,
0: Krishna. Uh, first, there has to be qualification to... Uh, to launch, to launch weapons, and they must also, they must also be. Uh, one must have also the ability to withdraw them, according to what we're reading here, which Ashwatthama does not have. Śrīla mm-hmm. Prabhupada spoke of weapons sometimes. Um, his weapons were two in particular that I'm aware of. Uh, one, of course, was uh, or is his books. Uh, and the other is prasadam. So this has not changed, to my knowledge. These continue to be powerful weapons. And uh, we continue to wield them. And someone may ask, well then, in this case, what would you mean by withdrawal of these weapons? Uh, Withdrawal means here, with the books, that we withdraw ourselves to also read the books, not that we simply uh, distribute the books, but we also read them. And uh, we withdraw into our practices, our sadhana, and we withdraw into reflection for ourselves about how to uh, how to practice and how to how to how to practice Krishna bhakti, how to approach the Lord, uh, how to uh, purify our hearts to allow the Lord to be in our heart, and with purified heart, then to be empowered to influence others in positive ways. We, of course, also um, like to, you speak of protecting uh, Prabhupada's movement. Prabhupada prescribed for us to pray to and um, that Lord, the Lord in his Nrsinga form is very fierce. Uh, and... And I like to remember the prayer that Prahlad prays in fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, uh, which is, first of all, invoking the Lord to destroy the, uh, the tendency within ourselves, within our heart, uh, for fruitive activity. Uh, Namastejas tejas tejas Avir Avir bhava. may you appear Avir Avir Baba, Vajranaka vajradangsha. Karma Shayan, Randhaya, Randhaya. may you remove the Asha the, the 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 desire the longing for karma for for fruit of action. Uh. Randaya, randaya, tamo, grasa, grasa, om, Swaha, grasa, um, destroy in some way, I don't remember exactly. So, uh, we can remember Nursingadev, pray to Nursingadev, um, we can. Um, We can think how to make, how to attract people to uh, hear Krishna Bhakti message. Um, Whether through books or through other media. Nowadays, nobody likes to read books. Who reads books, right? Uh, (laughs) So finding, finding different ways that people can hear the message. How about street theater, for example? Street theater. (laughs) In the time of pandemic, of course, we may find ourselves limited in ways we're familiar with. So we have the internet. But at some point, uh, possibly street theater becomes available. And prasadam. Everybody understands prasadam.
1: Thank you, Maharaj. My wonderful answer. <laughs> Anybody has a question, kindly unmute yourself and ask Maharaj question.
0: We have one question on the chat from Dhiralalita. Um... Why did the Pandavas suffer so much even though they were of great character, honest with Krishna as their friend? Indeed, why did they suffer? Um, This was also Bhishma's question. (laughs) And he was asking the question right in front of Krishna. And Krishna remained silent So what I understand from this is despite despite all these qualifications, Krishna allowed them to suffer as ways by which they would be further glorified. If they wouldn't suffer in the ways they did, uh, for one thing, we wouldn't have the Mahabharata. And if we didn't have the Mahabharata... Would we have the Bhagavatam? I don't know. Okay, that's a short answer, but we have other others here. Uh, George Omega? Don't know if I'm pronouncing okay. right.
2: Okay. Arigishta Maharaj. Yes, please, Amega. That is the name. <laughs> okay. Maharaj, huh. Thank you very much for your wonderful lecture. My network is not good, so I will not be able to open up my video. So please okay. all right. Okay. Okay, please, uh, my question goes like this. Uh, I learned there was a time in America when devotees went on Harinam. Uh, people have been harassing them. So this one this thing kept on this thing kept on for so long. Uh, so the devotees have to resort to it by looking for some macho men to go and beat up the hell out of those people. So as a movement, do you have to sit down and say, whatever happened is by Christians' arrangement? Or is there a particular point in time that as a movement, we should stand up? Because here in Ghana also, sometimes people slap devotees just by the way of, preaching, sometimes doing hard work now. people do slap us, but we take it as a blessing. So I would like to know at what point in time can we also, uh, let's say, uh, let me put it mm. this way, that we can fight for our rights.
0: To retaliate? <laughs> uh, okay, that's, that's uh, it's an interesting topic and... I don't know if we can make a general statement about this. Um, I do, I, I would put it this way. Um, it wouldn't be improper to have one devotee, one one person who stands by devotees and yeah, maybe even wears a uniform uh you know as a, as a private um what's the word a private protector um as 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 a bodyguard uh I don't think it would be improper to have someone there who is trained and who obviously looks um looks like someone that you would not want to fight with. In other words, somebody somebody big and powerful. Um, I, I know, uh, for example, I'm here in Poland, and His Holiness Indra Dyumna Swami, uh, since, what is it now, 25 years, 30 years, I don't know, since decades, he's been doing these... Um, wonderful programs mainly along the northern coast of Poland during the summer. And he um he has I don't know how many, but he has a small group of de- devotees who are trained in I think some martial arts and and they are dressed during programs he has them dress in um you know, guards' outfits. So it it becomes it's clear to everyone that these guys are uh, are guard are guards, and they are trained, and they are looking, and uh, they are watching. And if anyone causes trouble, they're going to respond. So I think uh, to have such person. I mean, it depends on so many. Uh, factors, uh, situations, but it it could be appropriate uh, to have someone where that person is not provoking anyone to make trouble. That, of course, wouldn't be wanted. (laughs) Uh, But it's just, it's there and, uh, you know, ready. And people see, uh uh-huh, okay, they have somebody with them who could... Uh, make it difficult uh, if we make it difficult for the devotees. Uh, In particular, of course, if there are women in the kirtan group, uh, they should be protected. And it should be understood by the public that they will be protected. Uh, So, and I think a lot of, uh, I think... This practice is, is being done in, uh, by various kirtan parties around the world. Does that make sense?
2: I'm okay, I'm okay.
0: You're okay with that?
2: Okay, thank you. Yes, please, I'm All okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, Hare Krishna.
0: Sahadev Prabhu, you have your hand up.
3: Hare Krishna, Maharaj.
0: Hare Krishna.
3: Thank you so much. Your classes are always so wonderful, so intriguing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. You oftentimes start your class as if you rather, you wanting to know. And then as you build up, you give so many different angles to what We think we already know, because I didn't actually think that Contea could also be referred to Bima. I always thought Contea always only referred to Arjun, but of course they are all sons of Quinti, right? So that makes sense to
0: me. Three of them, at least. Well, yeah, three of them. I mean, the Um, three of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Okay. my question is, uh, Shreffovat was saying in the paper that the subtle science of chanting hymns is also material, but it has yet to be known by the modern material scientists. And I remember some time ago in a class, I mean, in school, my sociology instructor was denying the science of astrology uh, to be a real science because it uh, cannot be proven.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because science, according to what scientists of today imply mean that they give you the theory and then you put the theory into application and then you get results and then you call it a science but they cannot do that with something like metaphysics. So how do we uh, try to prove to these material scientists that these subtle hymns, these Brahmastra weapons, are uh, uh, also science are scientific? How do we do
0: that? Uh, Thank you. If I knew how... <laughs> I would tell you. <laughs> um first of all first this word prove is uh it's a problem it's it's a very difficult idea proving. Um in the scientific world or any other world, um it's it's hardly used actually. It's used in mathematics. You can you can prove uh, a mathematical um, form, theorem, yeah, a theorem, um, and there are proofs within uh, various forms of logic, and there, there are various forms of logic, including fuzzy logic, <laughs> um, modal logic, and what all, I don't know anything about, um, but the idea of proving I think is um, it's it's well good luck that's all I can say first of all it's a question of uh, the the sphere within which you are making a proof, and it's also a question of who it is who is um, open to. Being persuaded of something, I think more helpful than the idea of proof in general is the idea of plausibility—that something is plausible. Okay. And uh, here, I think we can ha- we have a lot more um, space within which we can communicate. Uh, whether it's with scientists or students of science or whatever. And I think uh, this area is where we need to uh, develop our abilities to show plaus- plausibility. Uh, of course, this is one of the things the Bhaktivedanta Institute is has been working on for many years. There's a new... Uh, since recently group uh, within Bhaktivedanta Institute now based in uh, Gainesville, Florida the Bhaktivedanta Institute for Higher Studies and uh, they just acquired uh, a beautiful property uh, a large house and uh, they have a lot of plans to uh, do publishing and have conferences and so on. So you, you might want to keep in touch with them. Uh, they have a newsletter, an online newsletter, and you can see what they're doing. And you can pose your questions to them. Now, to speak about uh, astrology not being a science... One of the ways that science is typically defined is in terms, and this is not the only way, but my little understanding of uh, philosophy of science is whether a proposition is falsifiable or not. Uh, what does that mean? Falsifiability is uh, the ability in theory at least, to show that a certain hypothesis is not true. So what, uh, what would a critique of astrology would be that it is not falsifiable. Uh, if you are a, an astrologer and you say, well, according to uh, the way the planets are moving, we can understand that such and such uh, will happen in the future. And then you wait for that event to happen and it doesn't happen, then the astrologer will say, well, it didn't happen because something else happened, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Or why isn't it that the astrologers are not able to predict for example a terrible uh, earthquake that kills so many people um so various attempts have been made to to um to do what would could be called a controlled experiment uh astrological experiment but this is not something i've Delved into, so I don't know to what extent any of such efforts have have um, been fruitful. There is a there's a department or a program, maybe not a whole department, but a a program of study um, at the University of Bath in the UK that studies astrology, uh, but they're not studying it as... Their assumption is not that astrology is for real, uh, it works, we just need to learn better how to read astrology. More, they're studying the cultural side, as I understand, the cultural side of astrology, how it is that uh, different cultures have... Have, um, have used astrology in, in their collective lives. But that's about all I can say. There's also been some, some, um, some scholarly, uh, how to say, textual work on astrological texts. So I know one a devotee in Sweden who has edited, that is to say he's uh, analyzed very carefully some Indian astrological text from some hundreds of years or more than a thousand. I don't know how old it is. Uh, So people do that kind of scholarship. Um, And there may be a fuzzy area in between, uh, between sort of hard science uh, or we can say skeptical science and uh, people who study, um, you know, like parapsychology who are looking to see where we may find some truth in uh, astrological, uh, astrological understanding. But that's all that I know. Okay, well, uh, time is passing, and thank
1: you, Maraj, for your wonderful class. Thank we you all. To, to have the holiness again next month. You're missing, <laughs> thank you so much.
3: Thank thank you. You. I you know, is, okay. is it time?
1: Yeah, Maraj, thank it's you. time.
0: Uh, okay. okay,
3: okay, we'll be
0: in touch. Shila Prabhupada ki jai jai I
1: started ki jai ki jai Let's
0: chant Hare Krishna to Maharaj for Hare Hare Krishna Hare Krishna
1: Hare Hare Rama Hare